And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spataro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. What's up, gentlemen? Long time no talk to. Yeah. Holy shit! It's like a it's like a mini eternal con reunion. <laughs> With no food. <laughs> oh, I have food. Yeah, I can hear you chewing away, pal. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, boy. I can hardly think of anything less appetizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so. Yo. How's the married life, buddy? Pretty awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, congratulations indeed. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm so sorry that I got lost on my way there and didn't make it. Uh, I would have invited everybody, but... <laughs> but I don't like, like any of you. <laughs> no, I, lo- I love all of <laughs> you. You all suck. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you don't suck. Just uh, I would have invited all of you, but you can't fucking behave in public, so... <laughs> ah, nah, I would have invited all of you if I wasn't so embarrassed was, by you. It was a money thing, that's what <laughs> I'm not embarrassed by anybody, shit. Ah, you should be. Oh, I'll just have to try harder then. <laughs> uh, How you guys been? Pretty good. Oh, don't even ask, we're spiraling into the abyss further and further. <laughs> oh man! Nah. My mother keeps telling my father, "I'm going to trade you. You're 76. I'm going to trade you in for two 38s." It's like, <laughs> nice one, mom. Oh god! <laughs> but how many how many comic books did she bring to the table? The fact that she lets me bring mine to the table is good <laughs> enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the the fact that Marion lets me get away get away with this this room here is oh my god that's great. What do you got going? I didn't see. Oh my shit! <laughs> that's not even the the two long boxes I have in the closet. <laughs> Just all my other random shit. I mean, you've been to my house, so you know what I got going. I I I would I would murder you for that display. No, I wouldn't do that. Well, we're gonna. The next time you're down here, you'll have to come out to the Republic of Staten Island and see the Superman room. Oh, I do like the I, Superman room. I'm dying to see the Superman. I did. I did do a panoramic shot of it. Let's see if I can find that while we while we're talking. But just keep talking. If I find it, I'll I'll stick it in the chat. Stick it in. <laughs> stick it in deep, man. <laughs> well, that was within the last year. Yeah. Do you remember, what, do you remember when that was, Dave? What month it was? Oh, I want to say it was... I think it's... It's just over a year. I think we went in November. You know, a year November. Because wasn't he closing, closing up the store? Yeah, you might be right. That's not a, a term I hear very often. 
closing up the store? No, you might be right. <laughs> you are married. <laughs> I never realized how wrong I was about so many things. And I do have an ex-wife that should have confirmed. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing it once and that's it. Yeah, we all say that. Yeah. <laughs> You're lucky, though, so... Well, all of her Harry Potter shit is on the, uh, and I say shit, but it's also my crap now, too. It's all on the other shelf, so. <laughs> See, you scored, so you should be on the same wavelength. You've got nothing to worry about. No, no, I don't. Worry's easy. <laughs> you want to watch a Marvel movie? Okay. <laughs> Horror movies, on the other hand? No. But yeah, pretty no. much anything else. No, I, can't, I, I can't get horror movies... In, in my that's fine. Uh, it's, it's not not for everybody. But like the the night I met Maureen, on her shelf was all the Harry Potter books, and then her DVD case was like Die Hard, The Sandlot, Goonies, Harry Potter. I was like, all right, done looking. This is the one. <laughs> all right, yep, yeah. Here's the panoramic. I found it. So let's see. Let me let me get that chat going here. Open it up. I can see. Right, all right. I will accept your photo. I appreciate your acceptance of my photo. Better not be a dick pic. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. You're too intuitive. Look at the size of that briefcase. <laughs> Holy moly. Oh, wow. It's my life's work. That is, that is beautiful. Oh my God. I want it open. What's yeah, cool so about it is in the panoramic view, it makes the room look huge. <laughs> oh, sucker for sucker for Troy over there, huh? Had to get a little picture of Deanna, huh? Oh, I wish, and I have the picture with her next to that one. Oh, nice. Hey, you need to come down this weekend. She's uh, she's appearing at a at a convention that's halfway between me and Doctor Bill. I see. That would have been the. And now you tell me. So it's 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 a Deanna Troy sandwich. Oh my god! <laughs> Between Bill and, and Scott. Oh my god! <laughs> so we got oh so we got a picture with uh, oh, damn Caitlin Snow. And we got a picture with Laurel Lance and a picture with Arrow and Bambi Woods. The only pro the only problem with the Arrow pictures we look like a gay family. Uh, hey, whatever floats your boat, man. Right, not that there's anything wrong with that. Well, yeah, and he's Canadian too, so you know, whatever. Now, what's funny? You see the uh, Laura Lance picture. Yeah. My wife gives me a problem every year when I do the Christmas card. That she doesn't want to be in it. Yeah. So I did the mock-up and I used that picture. It says, "Now you don't have to be in it." <laughs> I'm sure she appreciated that. Yeah, that didn't go over as well as I thought it would. Oh, man. Dude, this is awesome. I had no idea you were this big a Superman fan. Oh, yeah. I've been a huge Superman fan. And a big Sheriff Lobo fan. Yes, and that's not as popular. I, I know you find that hard to believe. <laughs> that, yeah, that is that is beautiful. Is that really Claude Aikens? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Because that's I, what I thought it was, and I was like, ah. I would greatly prefer to have him in the Aldo costume, though. <laughs> or or, or Woody Woodpecker, whatever. I actually have uh, 
on my train set because uh, I'm pretty handy with model building and shit. <coughs> I customized the Cadillac for a squad car in honor of Sheriff Lobo. <laughs> So you know, uh, should we should we bring a show in, or should we just keep talking and the hell with it, bring it in? Yeah, whatever you want to do. Okay. Yeah. Did anybody respond to your thread? Yeah, there's a, there's some questions on there for us to talk about. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro. I'm here with Scott Gardner. Doctor Bill is on assignment. I think uh, he found yeah. out that I think he found out that they were cooling he, he, too many of the. Uh, Diet Mountain Dews and is trying to put a stop to it. So we replaced <laughs> him today. We it took two people to replace Doctor Bill's contribution to the show. Yeah. So we, we have Chris, the hair metal hero, Tyler. Hey, it's me, America's favorite villain, and David Pascarella. How's it going? It's going. So we we just uh, were shooting the breeze here, looking over a photo of Dave's Superman room, which is oh, yeah. quite impressive. Thank you. Most impressive. Yes. Well, has, has my pewter Superman made it found, found a place within the room now? Absolutely. It is definitely down there. You'll have to come and take another panoramic panoramic picture. Sure, because that's that's going to be like the coup de grace of the room. <laughs> you can't pick up a, pana, a pewter Superman just anywhere. I don't think you can, actually. Question now. It's the only one I ever saw. Question for you, Dave. Yes. All right. So on your on your bookshelves, the left bookshelf, top shelf, the third one over on the right, where he's got his arm in the air, is that based on a Gil Kane? Yes, it is. That yes. is awesome. Where is that? I'm. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so, so you're shelves. talking about the statues on the shelves? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You've got the one that's the Superman number one cover. And right. you got the one, I can't quite make it, I can't seem to blow this up for some weird reason, it won't blow up on my computer. And then you've got the third one, and he's got his, his arm in the air, and just the way he's posed with his cape and everything, as tiny as that image is, I was like, that looks like a Gil Kane cover from like a, I think it was a special or something. It does look like a Gil Kane, I'm looking at it, it now is. as you're discussing it. Yeah, that is awesome. The, uh, the Superman that is really number cool. one. Because I think his, uh-huh. That one, the Gil Kane one, the one under Gil Kane, and the one next to Gil Kane, it was a series they did where it was all covers, and like the box was the background of the cover. Huh. Huh. Now, That's okay, cool. now you, like I, don't worry about saving these things in the box to protect it. You put it out on the shelf. What do you do with the boxes? I have them all stored in the, in the attic. There you go. In case I have to put it back in the box at some point. <laughs> put it on eBay. Never out of box. <laughs> Smoke free. Never out of box. There you go. <laughs> I love it. That is quite impressive, though. This is, now, this is really awesome. Okay, now looking uh, underneath the picture of, I think it's Agent Carter, yes. over, by, over by Sheriff Lobo. Yeah. Down with, with the books there, there's a, uh, looks like a Chia Pet almost. What is that? That is a Chia Pet someone gave me of Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to make any comment. I'm just going to mention the fact that Donald Trump made it into the Superman room. 
and just leave it at that. <laughs> it was a gift. I'm not saying anything else about it. There's no other commentary on that. So I think the only thing I see in here that I know I have is on the bookcase that Scott was talking about, the second shelf on the right, you have the Superman cookie jar that I have. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, there's a funny story behind that one. If you look on the... The funny story is if you go downstairs, you'll look and see yours is gone. <laughs> <laughs> The Superman cookie jar you think you have, I have a second one on the other shelf. I see. That's a different cookie jar, though. Right. I had lost custody of that one on the right. And I held out for years thinking I might get it back. And then finally said, the heck with it. I saw this in the store. I bought another one. Don't you know right after I bought it, I got it back, the original? Uh... And what I do on mine, mine, you know, knowing that Superman is as perfect as he is, he has to be a Mets fan. So he wears he wears the helmet, the batting helmet from you know the ones they sell the little ice cream sundays in. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just slightly large, but it fits on his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's literally 30, 35 years of collecting this stuff. Nice. And then I'd be the, ready to retire if it was a government job. The thing, the thing we'd be, we'd be moan is that one day when we're gone, our offspring will just say, "All right, yeah, throw that out." Uh, I don't. I'm not going to be having any offspring, so I'm going to have to will all my stuff to somebody. Who it is, I don't know yet. <laughs> just start sucking up now, and we'll figure it out later. Yep. So. I threw out to the Facebook group, and I asked if anybody had any questions for us since we're having just a general hanging out episode, and we'd got a, you know, got a, a, a number of them. I mean, I didn't give everybody a lot of time, but uh, I'm going to throw them out periodically, but if the conversation uh, is to tangent off, that is fine. The first question is from our buddy, J. David Weeder, who says, what are the comics the gang are currently reading? So, I'll start off by saying, as always, I'm reading old comics. Uh, Ditto. I don't think there's anything currently coming out that I'm reading. Uh, We just recently covered two issues. We're going to cover a third of an independent series that we were provided preview copies of. Uh, And those review episodes probably will air before this. Uh, So... You know, people have heard, will have heard of those. But other than that, I don't think I'm reading anything currently on the stands. Uh, fair enough. I, the only thing I've been what, reading... Is that what he meant, was current comics? Well, that's, he, I, mean, I, I can't read his mind. I mean, he says, what are the comics the gang are currently reading? So I, I guess he, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean current. Uh, so... By way of old stuff, I've jumped back into the West Coast Avengers. Uh, Bill Scott and I were talking recently about how I kind of abandoned it right before the John Byrne run and that I should attempt to continue my read. So I've picked that up, and I'm I'm just about to the Byrne run now, and I'm going to soldier through that and probably enjoy the heck out of it. So that's that's nice. actually what I'm reading. Uh, I got, uh, I've been reading the Stranger Things comic digitally because uh, I'm sure I'll end up covering it on on the Stranger Things show that I do with Dave and John and Scott Mc, 
uh, a trade paperback of the saga of the alien costume, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, um, which oh, I, nice. yeah, and it's in great condition. I don't know where he got it, but uh, that has been my, my bathroom reading book, you might say, for the... For the last couple of it's weeks, it's in great so. shape, so I want to ruin it by taking it into the bathroom. Oh, I'm doing a George with this bad boy. <laughs> be red flagged. Not bringing that back to Britannos. Nope. <laughs> so that's that's. Oh, and I got the Marvel Super Special for Crawl that Mark Comback sent me, so I got to read that too. Nice. Dead style really? Crawl. <laughs> I am currently reading some. Uh, mo- Modern releases. I've stuck with the Superman titles, Action and Superman, and I'm reading Justice League, which is a bit of a slog, to be honest with you. Is are they both uh, a slog, or is you saying Justice League is a slog? Justice League to me is a slog. How about action, the Superman titles on on the Bendis? Action is good. Superman isn't as good, but it's all right. You know, I, I stuck with it through all that horrible New 52 stuff, and I have a, you know, a complete run from about 1965 till today. Oof. So I don't want to bail out now. <laughs> but uh, I'm also reading uh, Battlestar Galactica, and the new one that just started, I think it's only up to issue one or two, literally, because they have zero issue. And uh, G.I. Joe, which I just finished uh, a read-through from the original G.I. Joe number one. Nice. So when they brought it back to 155 and a half to today. Awesome. I gotta, That's I gotta... probably the best, to be honest with you. <clears throat> yeah, I, I got to jump in on that, too, because I've got digital versions of uh, the original Marvel run. And I think most of the, um, was it IDW that then got it? Yeah, I think I have digital of most of that, but I, I kind of trailed off like the last eight years or so, so I got a lot of catching up to do with that title. Well, what I was doing was I originally, you know, bought it off the newsstands, like the first, uh, I would say from issue five to 55. And then, you know, I sold my collection because I was going to make a lot of money, <laughs> which wound up to be like $25 at the ah. time. So then I was rebuilding it. And I didn't want to read the new stuff until I had everything. And then I blew through it in the last six months. But it, it was a good run. You blew through nice. what in the six months? The $25? <laughs> <laughs> On Superman stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other thing I've been reading is, you know, I bought all those old Captain Storm comic books. Because I like the character and the losers, but I never read the originals. Right. I'm about up to issue five or six, and the thing is, you know, Stanley used to say, every issue is someone's first. Well, they're going to tell you the origin of this guy for three pages in almost every single issue. <laughs> but it's going to, what are you trying to save on the page count? <laughs> but it's all right. Oh, actually, I, 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 can add, I can add something into what I'm reading, too, and... Scott is aware of this and I'm sure is pleased. Uh, one of my friends just gave me a book, How to Be Like Walt, Capturing the Disney Magic Every Day of Your Life. And I just, just started it. I mean, I'm just, you know, a tiny, tiny bit into it. But I'm um, just kind of looking forward to reading that one. What are you reading, Scott? 
Um, as far as reading in general, um, not, a, not a lot of comics right now, although I have several reading projects going on with comics. I'm, at the moment, um, I have been scarfing up like a madman um, Disney Parks books, you know, like the souvenir guides and just basically anything to do with the parks. And uh, I've been buying them up like crazy. I, I stumbled across this site a while ago, and I forget what the name of it was, but it was basically like, um, you know, telling you in the author's opinion, the very best books uh, on the subject, you know, and he broke it down by, by Disneyland, Walt Disney World, the foreign parks, and then just other topics, you know, like people that had a hand in, in creating, you know, this or that for the parks, that sort of thing. And so I've used it basically as a checklist, and I've pretty much got everything that's on the list at this point that's that's easily available and affordable. There's a couple I'm chasing that I don't know if I'll ever get them because I am a cheap bastard after all, and some of them some of them are quite pricey. There's one of them that regularly lists on uh, on eBay, but it's generally at least three hundred dollars plus, and uh, you know, so I've, I'm <laughs> I'm not going to spend anywhere near that amount of money for it, so. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. And I was working my way through those until uh, some Planet of the Apes books uh, just fell in my lap. So I'm getting caught up on Planet of the Apes. And I'm about, oh, I don't know, about seven-tenths of the way through. Uh, there was a prelude book to um, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes that I'm reading right now, and it's damn good. I'm actually liking it better than I liked the film, to be honest with you. So I'm reading that, and um, when I'm done with that, I have to reread um, Conspiracy of the Planet of the Apes because I don't remember what the hell happened in that book, and there's a sequel out to it that I just bought the Kindle version of called Death of the Planet of the Apes. That sounds really good. But being a sequel to that conspiracy one, I, I feel like I need to go back and reread Conspiracy because I just don't remember what happened in it. And then once that's done, I'm going to jump over and I'm going to get caught up on all the Apes comics because since we did Apes Month way back when, there have been a slew of, uh, of new Apes comics and one of which they did that I felt like was almost like somebody had been listing because I remember commenting at one point that why didn't they ever do a, a King Kong Planet of the Apes mashup? And they did. And I, I have yet to read it. It looks very interesting, but there's been several. There was a, there's a Tarzan one, Tarzan on the Planet of the Apes. There's a Green Lantern one that looks just goofy. Um, the Kong one. And oh, something else. Star Trek one that we never covered. Yeah, we talked yeah, about that one, but I'd love to cut. Yeah, I'd like to cover that on the show. But yeah, that was another one that I felt like was in the answer to Apes Month because we talked about that too. How cool would it be if? Uh, uh, I think it was during our, our Beneath the Planet of the Apes episode we talked about how cool would it be if the fight between Brent and Taylor was actually Kirk and Taylor, and then damned if they didn't go and do it. So, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. But there was there was another one too. Another ape, I cannot remember what it was. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm going to get caught up on those. But uh, as far as current comics reading projects, I mean, i got several going on. I stalled out on my Marvel read-through a while ago, but they're still on my iPad, so at some point I'll, I'll pick that back up. And I, I still pick at it from here you know, here and there, but I'm, I'm not sticking to it as, as religiously as I was in the beginning. I just kind of hit a period where it's, I don't know, it's just in kind of a lull. Um, and I, I couldn't tell you why... 
but I've been doing a, a read through of pretty much just about every title that Dynamite um, has put out. I've been I've been reading through basically their entire catalog, and right now I'm about mid 2013 and working on like all the the various like one shots and miniseries and everything that they did with Red Sonia. But they they've done some really good books. They did you know like Project Superpowers and um, the Shadow and um, you know of course Red Sonia there's a bunch of them Buck Rogers there's a whole bunch of really good and I've, I've liked it and they have you know a small enough category or a catalog rather that it's it's been fairly easy to just read through the whole damn catalog and just about everything I've read I've really enjoyed oh um, John Carter and Tarzan and yeah it's, it's just it's been really interesting stuff and they've had a number of you know interesting crossovers and that sort of thing so yeah I've, I've been enjoying that but for the moment I've, I'm, I'm kind of sticking to prose and, and reading you know actual books and novels at the moment and you know those those theme park books but you know that's what I I'll generally do I'll bounce back and forth anyway I'll, I'll read you know a ton of comics for a while and then get, kind of get burned out so I'll read some books and then I'll get burned out on books and go back to comics that I've always kind of read that way to be honest with you so yeah that's pretty much what I'm reading at the moment if you're, if you're looking for more free entertainment Scott aren't we all uh -huh. um, there's a pretty good YouTube series called Defunct Land and uh, the guy covers theme parks and theme park attractions and uh, the ones that are no longer in operation he does touch on um, some Disney stuff some of the uh, attractions that he covers theme parks from all over the world it's actually pretty entertaining it's not preachy or anything it's just here's what this was this is what it was this is why it failed or this is why they got rid of it and yeah i learned some pretty interesting stuff on it so it's um it's worth it's worth taking a look at that series it's uh it's pretty fun that sounds cool yeah i love stuff like that cool yeah all right moving along what you got paul what i got i got a question from Derek William Crabb that is, uh, well, you'll hear it and you'll know. What does Dr. Bill, I'm assuming he's been reading them, think of the current Jason Aaron Avengers run? And that's followed by a comment from Christopher Warden saying, no spoilers, please, and thank you. Reading them but a, as well, but a bit behind. So you don't have to worry about the spoilers because I don't think anybody who's currently in this chat room uh, <laughs> is reading those books. But I can tell you I know Dr. Bell, Dr. Bill, although he is... Much like Dave was saying with Superman, uh, he's keeping up with his uh, Avengers titles as they come out, as so as to keep his continuous run. But from everything he's told me, he's not happy with the storylines that are going on, and he's not enjoying them. Uh, so, <sighs> I think that sounds. It sounds like a case of the new Fifty Two to me. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think it could be. Uh, so now the next question also kind of goes, we kind of answered, I think, because uh, Chris Warden asked, is the gang reading current comics? And I don't um, think there's too much current that we've that anybody I mean, talked about. Yeah, I mean, I dabble from time to time. I, I, about the only books coming out currently that I was kind of keeping up with was Darth Vader, which I understand has now ended. And I think I'm actually a couple of issues behind on that. And then I was keeping up, strangely enough, I was keeping up with uh, Scooby-Doo Team-Up, which is actually a damn good book. <laughs> I've heard that, but, about uh, that, but I have not read any of it. 
I, I, I've yeah, had I've, some I've interest. Enjoyed. I've had some interest in checking out some of these DC titles where they're doing the old Hanna Barbera shows, but they're doing them kind of, at least from the way the artwork is, it looks like they're doing them kind of seriously. Uh, and, I, and I have some. Right. I, 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 I'm curious to pick up and read a little, you know, just a little bit of that. I, I think that could grow old quickly, but I know when they. Uh, the first, you know, experience I had with that kind of thing was when they did Afterlife with Archie, and that was a right. real good miniseries. I really enjoyed the heck out of that one. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I think it could grow old fast, but in the short run, I think, you know, those series could be fun. Yeah, that's that's kind of what happened to me with the, with the Scooby-Doo one, is I was really digging it in the beginning, especially, you know just the fun choices of co-stars because it was all over the place it was all over the dcu but then it was also pulling from um a lot of uh hanna barbera world as well you know and some you know some cartoons and properties that we haven't seen in quite a long time but uh i wouldn't say i got burned out i just you know it was you know it's scooby-doo so after a time you know the the formula wears thin because it is really it's the same thing you know issue after issue just like the old show was, so. And I would I would have kept reading it if not for you rotten kids. <laughs> Did they have Bane break uh, Shaggy's back? <laughs> Zoinks! <laughs> no, they they have had uh, several team ups with Batman and Robin, which was pretty cool. Well, to me, only if uh, if if Casey Kasem is doing the voice of Robin. Right. <laughs> Anyway, the next question on our list is from Robert McDonald. What do you guys think of fad characters, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Red Hulk, or Prometheus? Characters that seemingly catch fire, then fizzle. I'm not sure who Prometheus is. I don't think he's talking about the JLA villain. Uh, so I'm not sure who that one is. But, uh, you know, I kind of think when you talk about these characters, and, and the question kind of gives my answer where he says they catch fire and then fizzle uh like the red hulk story that jeff Loeb did when it when he first introduced the character i i you know it was very very quick reading but i think that's just a jeff Loeb thing uh but i really kind of enjoyed that run i think that was one that was much better picked up in trade because you get a little bit more meat with your story instead of just you know like a five minute and you threw it thing uh but again i think that was more indicative of the uh the Jeff Loeb aspect of it than the uh, fed character aspect. Cosmic Ghost Rider, I've seen those books. I haven't read them. I do not like the artwork. It's not a style that I go for. So I really haven't picked that up. But, you know, all of these characters seem to, you know, they come, they burn brightly, and then they fade away. So while they're burning brightly, they're fun, usually, until they oversaturate the market with them or they just run out of new ideas. That's my take on it. I mean, that's pretty much any character, though. I mean, they're all, you know, they're as a fad, and it's which ones can keep going. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. If if, if they have legs, then they're not fad characters because they just keep going. But the ones that come along and they kind of run their course and then go away, you know, those those are the ones that are the fads. See, that's the thing. There's, there's no predicting that because there have been some that I think were, were, you know, they had every intention that this was just going to be, you know, a fad character, as you say, and then they end up having legs, and, and they become a thing, and they stick around. 
you know, I, I, I get the distinct feeling that, uh, you know, characters like, say, Deadpool, I think, is a good example of that. I, I mean, who, whoever would have expected that character would have the legs he's had, you know? Mm. So, well, Rob Liefeld. You never, you never no, know. he did not, because he didn't write him the way he is now. <laughs> well, he, well, he didn't really write him at all, right? Didn't somebody else initially, wasn't it Fabian Nicieza? Yeah. I think you're right, yeah. But anyway... Uh, yeah, I, I think sometimes it is surprising which characters catch fire and which ones just kind of don't. But, you know, I, I kind of go with the, the thought process of there aren't bad characters, there's just bad stories. Because you could take the lamest character in the world, and, and if you got a good writer writing the story, it doesn't matter how lame the character is. Jimmy Olsen. There have been, <laughs> there have, there have been some good Jimmy Olsen stories over the years. Not, not many. But well, I can't imagine someone at some point sat at a table and said, I got an idea. Let's give Jimmy Olsen his own comic book. No, Jack King Kirby. <laughs> so, so, I'm, I'm coming into the DC universe. Let me take over Jimmy Olsen. But you know, you know what? That's, I think that's, an, you know, you kind of hit on kind of a tangent, but an interesting thing is that I think sometimes some of the best stuff that comes out is with characters that seem to be fading and oh, ready yeah. to go into obscurity. And what th- what they'll do is they'll give it a young, hungry, up-and-coming writer or artist free reign on it because the character's kind of dying anyway. And then you see some of the best stories. I mean, you know, we've talked many, many times, Scott and I, about the, you know, Marvel's uh, Captain Marvel uh, and how bad that series was leading up to Jim Stalin taking it over and by the time he took it over it was just like you know do whatever you want and he wrote some great stuff for him and then he left that and he took over Warlock which was the same thing yeah I think comics history is kind of replete with with that you know where you've got a number of characters that you know either nobody really cared about or you know it it, it was past its prime and it was dying or whatever the case may be and so the company was just like, yeah, whatever, do whatever the hell you want. We don't care. We're going to cancel it anyway. And then the next thing you know, because of that freedom to basically do whatever they wanted, it, all of a sudden it becomes a huge thing. I mean, you look at, like, Daredevil. Yeah. I mean, that's that definitely say. the story of Frank Miller's Daredevil. I mean, nobody cared, you know? And, and Miller comes in and does what he wants to do with the character and, and lights the world on fire with that. Swamp Thing was another great example. I mean, that book was right on the cusp of cancellation, with some seriously shitty and lackluster stories, when uh, when Alan Moore sailed in and, and breathed you know a whole new genre out of that thing, you know, so yeah, I mean there's there's been a lot of examples like that. There's other ones too. I'm blanking on what they are at the moment, but you know those are the two that always come to my mind. Uh, right. I thought I had heard at one point that that was kind of the deal with uh, with Burns FF as well, if I'm not mistaken. But I could be wrong about that. But well, I, I think that I don't think I've been tr- I don't think they I don't think they were ready to cancel the FF. But I do think FF was floundering, and it's it's one one time when uh, Bill Sienkiewicz took over a book, and not only did he you know not do well on it, but he uh, I think he he he. Added to the moroseness of that book and how it was just <laughs> sinking until Byrne came over and right. just breathed new life into it. But I, I don't think they were ready. I, I think that was still, you know, in their minds, even though Spider-Man was truly the flagship title at that time, or the X-Men was, one or the other. Uh, I think, you know, they still kind of treated 
the Fantastic Four as such because they were the you know the first family and you know the world's greatest comic magazine. So I, I think they, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't think they were going to cancel it, but I think they were desperate to find somebody to revitalize it. And burn boy, did he revitalize it! Yeah. So the next question on our list, and this one, I'm, I'm going to throw this one right to you, Scott. It's from Kirk. He says, what are your thoughts as a group on which runs or issues of Avengers you will feature or cover on Avengers Spotlight in the near future? What, what do, you, do you have any, any Avengers runs that you have a hankering to do? Well, the one that you just mentioned, the the burn F, uh, burn yeah burn FF burn um, West Coast Avengers. I would love to cover that because I I think that's some really really good stuff. Uh, I've long held that up as as the one post Superman project that Burn did where I felt like his heart was still really in it because not long after he left Superman, I I really do get the feeling that Burn's heart and soul just went out of comics. Like after after that, it was just it was by the numbers, and I, I think slowly his work bore that out because you know some of, some of his post Superman stuff is just kind of embarrassing for him. You know what I mean? But I felt like he was really still on his A game with the West Coast Avengers stuff, and I loved that stuff as it was coming out. I don't think I've really largely revisited it since it was coming out brand new so i'd like to take a a new fresh look at that but as i recall it was you know it's really some fantastic stuff and you know definitely the art is great but i mean there's some great character stuff in that too you know with wanda and the vision and you know the revival of uh you know the golden age uh human torch and then there was a really good story being set up with uh was it immortus it was one of the time-traveling characters where he was consolidating timelines and eliminating timelines, but unfortunately, Burton never got a chance to finish it before he left the book, and somebody else, Paul Ryan, I think, ended up finishing that up. But there were some really good storylines going on in there, and I just, I liked the mix of cast, too, because there was, you know, they had some of the better Avengers uh, as part of the team. You know, he had Wonder Man and... Uh, you know, Cap and She-Hulk, and you know, there's. I just, I like the mix of characters. I just, I like Burns' take on the on the um, Avengers. I just mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. I also, I wouldn't mind uh, at some point covering Burns' original run on the Avengers. You know, back in the whenever that was, seventies or eighties. Um, I like that stuff a lot too. That's the stuff when they go to Wonder Girl Mountain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. I'd be up for that, and and one one series that I'd like to do, but it's 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 gonna take a little while to get to this because it's biting off a you know more than I can chew right now. But I'd like to do the Avengers Forever series. Yeah, that would be big. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's twelve issues, and it, that, that's and and they're dense. That's so. almost like crisis level big. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. But that would be fun. Yeah, I could be down for that. Yeah, I think we'll get to it. It's just a question of when. Anything? Uh, and I'd, I'd like to do. I'd like to do some more. You know, one shot uh, spotlights as well. You know, because um, you know, one of my favorite issues to this day is still uh, the Avengers on Late Night with David Letterman. I always liked that issue. Yeah, a that's lot. a fun one. You have that signed by uh, by Roger Stern, the writer. So yeah, that, yeah. I wouldn't mind doing. Uh, you know, not. A, a series of them, but pick one or two of the uh, the old order changeth issues and do some of those. Right. Yeah. So th- there's definitely some one shots we can 
spend some time on. But uh, you know, we got so many so many irons in the fire right now. We'll we'll get this stuff. You know, unfortunately, they have these stupid day jobs that we have to go to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, uh, Chris and Dave. Anything, uh, any Avengers runs that you that you're particularly fond of that you would uh, think, oh, that's a good one to do. Uh, a little out of my element on this one, so. <laughs> yes, there was yeah, the one when the one when Steed and Peel uh, got into a fight. Nah, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, whatever you guys cover, I'll be listening. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm woefully. Uh, uneducated in the uh, Avengers. That makes me sad. <laughs> That's what we're here for. We will continue to educate make you. Us sad? That's what we're here for. <laughs> you know, I had gotten the uh, Marvel Unlimited, and I was going to read everything in order. I got up to about sixty-eight, sixty-nine, and then I didn't read <laughs> for the. You do. So you started issue one and got up to sixty-eight or sixty-nine. 1968 or 69, yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that, that's just, yeah, so that's just that's, what he used to write about, about write about the Kree-Skrull War. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I didn't renew it because I bought the, uh, the DCU online thing, which is nowhere near as good as the Marvel one. Yeah. But the problem is, again, you know, day jobs, children, spouses... It's hard to find enough time to, to do all the reading and watching that we'd like to do. And podcasting on top of that. Boy, I can't wait to retire. <laughs> I just wish I could retire me now. Too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Alright, so the, the last question in our Facebook uh, entry, and again, you know, I only put this up, whatever, an, an hour or so ago. So I, I can't complain that there aren't that many questions. It says, what are your thoughts, Dave? This is right up your alley. What are your thoughts on Rebirth era Superman and Action Comics pre Bendis takeover? The uh, that's from Matthew Guy, by the way. Generally speaking, you know, once you've hit rock bottom, you can only go up, and that was the new. Did I let you know I'm not a big fan of the new Fifty Two? Yeah. Yeah. I liked it more in the beginning. I mean, if we're going to throw spoilers around here, I was very happy that they brought back Lois and Clark as a married couple. I was very happy with the uh, the Superboy. I thought that was, you know, cute and it, you know, evolved the character a little bit. Probably because I'm married and have kids too, so I can relate better. But now that they have some subplot going on where Lois is off on her own, and there's something not right about the whole thing, that's starting to irk me a little bit. But like I said, it's a thousand percent up from where it was in the New 52. It's a good percentage. I mean, I almost bailed. I couldn't take that nonsense with the horrible costume. Mm-hmm. Terrible. And then with the t-shirt, I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I hated the t-shirt <laughs> look. And I, you know, I frankly, I'm tired of, I'm tired of these series rebooting and saying the hell with continuity. I understand that continuity is, is a beast as you start getting, you know, years and years and years of, of stories. But you know what? Too bad. 
to deal with it. You can compress well, it. You could try and make it seem like it's it's you know you can ignore certain things. But I just don't I don't want you to just say oh it never happened. I don't want that. Well, do you remember in the nineties when they brought up <coughs> the uh, the third title, Man of Steel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there, were, there was talk during the New 52 they were going to bring out a third title. The Hipster Douchebag of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they already had two titles that fit that, 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 that <laughs> caption, so... Yeah, I, I, didn't, I did not like what I read of the New 52 Superman. I think, like, the first issue I thought was entertaining, but not Superman. I think that was my thought about it. Like, it wasn't a bad read, but I just didn't like what they were doing to the character. And and I kind of seem to remember thinking that pretty much with just about everything in the New 52. Uh, everything that I was interested in reading. That there was, you know, they were interesting to read, but they weren't the characters that I knew. No, not at all. But you know... It, it could be a little bit of get off my lawn too. Yeah, but you know what? That they have to be prepared for the get off my lawn attitude because the majority of their readers are middle aged. Right. You know they don't have the seven year olds and eight year olds reading them anymore. They just don't. So you got to you got to be prepared to deal with the fact that you have middle aged people reading these and critiquing them. But for us, they'd be out of business. Yeah, get off my freaking lawn. <laughs> I think we may finally be at a point where they're figuring that out. It's taken them long enough, but I think they've finally figured that out, that they can't continue to completely disenfranchise the older fans because in a lot of ways, it's the older fans that are keeping them alive. And I, I think they're finally starting to realize that and that's why so many bones have been thrown you know to us older fans lately with some of these characters but i don't know i i'm i haven't come back i'm i've kept half an eye on you know what's going on with uh with dc comics and with superman in particular but they uh, you know I, it hasn't been enough to win me back at this point i i don't know that they ever really could um I, I dabbled briefly in, you know, the latest iteration of Superman, you know, when I heard some really good things, and, you know, and a lot of it, you know, is a step in the right direction, and a lot of it's very promising and everything, but what I read, just, just it wasn't enough to, to make me go, okay, you know, all is forgiven and I'm back again, it just, as David said, there's something that's still a little off about it, and I couldn't quite put my finger on what it is. But I think a certain degree of it may just be simply the fact that, you know, you, you can't always go home again. You know, sometimes, you know, through no fault of, of our own or no fault of the publisher or the character or anything, sometimes just, you know, things change and, and as much as they try to recapture the magic, sometimes it just doesn't, ha it doesn't work anymore. Um, you know, that happened, you know, years ago when, you know, there were, I remember there was a, uh, a one-shot that they did. It was an annual for, uh, I think it was for JSA, where they essentially brought back the Earth 2 iteration of, of those characters. You know, the JSA and, and all those characters, you know, the Huntress and all of them for like a one-shot special. 
And rather than making me happy and, and thrilling me like it should have, all it really did was depress the shit out of me. <laughs> That and wasn't convergence. I, I, you was just, it? it was. I'm sorry. Was it convergence? No, no this was way no. before that. Okay. Yeah, it was before that, and it was, you know, it was, it was just, it was a really good example of, well, you know, I guess you just can't go home again, you know. So I, I've, I'm starting to feel that that might be the case with the Superman stuff because they have actually made a lot of the concessions that I said that they would ever need to do to get me to come back, and I still haven't come back. So, you know. Yeah, and I, I guess know. to some extent that is the reasoning behind my uh, my paring down my comic collection the way we've discussed of late, where I'm really, with only a few exceptions... I'm I'm not going to have very very much at all in my collection that came out after say 1990 or so, because the books I right. really love are between 1960 and 1990. That 30 year period, that pretty much has almost every book I love in it. So why do I need to bother myself with the books that came out after that? Yeah. And there's so much volume there that I don't really need to worry about what's coming out now. It doesn't mean I don't have an interest at all once in a while, but I'm never going to be the avid collector of it that I once was. Can I point something out that I have from your sweet spot? Sure. I happen to have Dazzler number one. (laughs) (laughs) But is it it autographed? And it is autographed. (laughs) But not by John Romita Jr. that it was supposed to be autographed by. (laughs) Not quite, but close. Close. Well, you know what? If you look at the art inside that book on the cover and on the cover of the book, it was autographed by the superior artist. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> who? I'm trying to remember what was the name of the the guy who did the cover because the cover is absolutely beautiful. Oh God. That we, that we met oh and had gosh, him autographed. What is his name? Yes. What is? God, why do I always? He was so he was so nice to us when we met him. Um, Larkin, Bob Larkin. Yes, Bob Larkin. Very nice guy, and what a talented artist he is. I mean, just the, the beautiful covers he did over the years. Uh, you know, just just tremendous. I, I, you know, if you want to talk body of work, sure, Romita Jr. has done a hell of a lot more stuff than he has and has built up a far bigger reputation. But I would f- be hard-pressed to find individual pages or drawings by John Romita Jr. that stack up against those covers that Bob Larkin did. Uh, they were beautiful covers. The the Star Trek cover, the Dazzler cover, the Planet of the Apes covers. Uh, just That's so something I, I wouldn't mind talking about with you guys as a, as a subject. So hopefully the listeners will have heard this by the time they're hearing this episode. You, I know you, you guys have not... Um, Hero and, and David, um, because the episode hasn't released yet. But not long ago, um, Paul and Bill and I, we did uh, the first episode of a, of a new uh, thing that we're trying with Back to the Bins called Focus On Episodes. Ooh. And it, I don't know if either of you guys remember, but back in the, I think it was the mid to late 80s, Fantagraphics had a series of, of books that they put out called Focus On. And there was a John Byrne one, there was a George Perez one, and then I just learned recently there was actually a Jack Cole one. And they were just these big, um, like, trade paperback size, like, like a little bit bigger than a trade paperback size, almost like a coffee table size, but they were, you know, they were soft cover, like, trades. 
and it was just you know interviews and uh, you know artwork by these by these guys you know really showcasing their stuff, but they went under the title of Focus On, and I, I'd been thinking about this idea for a long time of picking particular creators, not necessarily just artists, but particular creators, and doing focused episodes instead of just concentrating on like a book of theirs or or a storyline or something you know just like. Uh, a look at the body of their work kind of thing and we did our first episode on that not long ago and i was curious like to, to like create a list of some of the other ones that we thought we might want to cover at some point in the future so you guys have like especially i want to especially kind of focus on at least in the beginning on kind of like maybe some of the lesser knowns you know like maybe some of those hidden gem ones yeah, that's, I mean, and that's kind of what we did on the first episode, so right. I would like people who have a favorite writer or artist that they feel is underappreciated, maybe try and steer us towards those, and, and we'll, you know, obviously we'll, we'll pick and choose the ones we think we tend to agree with, because I, 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 at least in the beginning, I don't want to do anybody who I am not particularly impressed with their work. <laughs> right. So, you know, but if people have ideas that, you know, we hadn't considered, certainly throw them out there to us. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah in the past, we, you know, we kind of did, our focus would be on characters as opposed to creators. You know, the score episodes. Right. So this this is a little different than that. And then we've had a couple of tribute episodes, but that haven't, they, they really haven't been bring books by the character. The only thing I, the, the only time I can think of that we did that was there was a month where a bunch of podcasts were doing a uh, crossover where, for whatever reason it was, I know he was in the he was in the news for something at the time, but Jerry Conway was a, a big name for a little while, and like a bunch of different right. podcasts between Two True Freaks and Fire and Water were all doing Jerry Conway focus episodes, and I did a focus episode at the same time uh, Mike Bailey came on, and he and I did two Jerry Conway books. Uh, but that's the only one I can think of that we did that was kind of a, a you know, creator focus where we covered books. Right. So, it's the precursor to our focus on now. Now, I don't know if that, that episode will have aired by the time people hear this, or if this will end up going first. It all depends on the whims of the editors. <laughs> <laughs> and when I get it done, you're saying yes, I know. <laughs> and, and by the whims of the editors, I mean, will Scott have that edited before I have this edited? <laughs> so. I plan to. I plan to. Right, well, then they may have already heard it, and that would be nice. Whatever. You guys have any uh, suggestions you'd want to throw out there? Uh, I'd have to think first. So, lesser known. <laughs> hmm. How about that Stan Lee guy? <laughs> I mean, the lesser Never heard of it is what makes it hard. Yeah, well, it, it would be asking, you know, basically if you have someone who is near and dear to your heart that you feel is underappreciated. That's really kind of what it comes yeah, down it doesn't, to. Yeah, it, it doesn't, I mean, don't get hung up on the lesser known. It doesn't necessarily have to be lesser known. I, I guess better way to put it was maybe... I don't want to say necessarily underappreciated because that to me is a whole different subject for for show material, but kind of kind of along that line. Because I'll, I'll give you a great example, uh, one that I would I'd like to do in the future would be like Ron Friends. I don't think he's a lesser known, but I definitely feel like the guy doesn't get his his proper due. You know what I mean? I, I think he's a hell of an artist, and 
I, I think he's just, you know, he, he, he's a name that's out there, you know what I mean? But he doesn't seem to get a lot of recognition the way I feel like he should. So, you know, the, that sort of thing. Right. What was funny was, was Bill threw out um, <laughs> Vinny <Vinnie> Coletta, <laughs> which I think actually could be a really good episode, but I don't know if I want that to be the second episode. Yeah, but I don't want to bring up the negative just yet. And, and you know, we've talked about Vinny Coletta. I, I, I would have mixed feelings because I do think that he had a lot of artistic talent. I don't think he was a hack. I think he, I think he acted as a hack, but he had the talent to be so much better. And when when yep. you when you see issues where he really seemed to focus on what he was doing, or issues when uh, when he took his time, or or even when you see certain things where he was actually the only artist on it, you know, where he drew something and inked his own work, you could see the guy had talent. It's not a it's not a lack of talent. It was the taking shortcuts and rushing to get stuff to to press. I, I, well, I think that's what actually makes that story sadder than it already is. Is you know, as you say, it's not that he was a hack. It's that he allowed himself to become that. You know, in, in so many instances, he he allowed that to happen. Well, he allowed you know, the right? business end of it to overtake the artistic end. And most of the artists yep. won't do that. They won't compromise their work that way. Although, right. what was it? I, I mean, there was. I, I think it was in the episode we just did where, uh, where you read a quote where they, he was t- the he, they were saying uh, a lot of the established artists were saying you you know you can't work that slow. You can't take you that much time. You got to rush, and sometimes that means taking shortcuts because mm. right. otherwise you're not going to get your work done in time. And it's sad to think of it that way. But you know what? For these guys. And I think we had the same conversation in the episode. You know, it was a matter of putting dinner on the table for the family. And, and if, you know, if you had to, you know, rush a little bit to make sure you got the book done in the time deadline, you know, then you had to because otherwise, you know, maybe that month you weren't getting paid. And that becomes more important than, you know, than if you have the right background, I guess. Well, I suspect that that's why comics had such a quantum leap in art quality in the 60s and 70s when you started to get guys like Neil Adams and Jim Aparo and you know the one that we talked about in the episode I think that might be a lot of the reason why is that suddenly you you had these people coming in that for them it was a passion because they were fans you know it's it's when you got that that wave of, of folks that were coming into comics because they were fans of comics as opposed to you know, this is a this is a job first. You know, this is a job that that's going to you know put food on the table for my kids, kind of thing. And I, I think that may be you know one of the big differences there. And it, I, I can't help but think now, you know, looking back and and learning these things that we've learned about, you know, what was going on behind the scenes in the industry and the things that were being told to these new artists and where they were being actively discouraged from taking their time and doing their best in the interest in the interest of just churning the stuff out as quickly as possible that I can't help but wonder you know what could we have gotten from some of these guys that you can clearly tell knew how to tell a story and they had chops yet they just weren't necessarily bringing their a game from from issue to issue or from story to story because Again, they had to churn this shit out as quick as possible to be able to make the dollars that they needed to make. And that's a shame. 
and you know a lot of them I, I, I wonder did they allow that to affect their style and and become lesser than they could have been because you also have to remember that you know for a lot of comics existence you know these guys were living with kind of a stigma oh you're you work in comic books you know it wasn't what it is now where you know there's there's legions of us that look at this stuff and we idolize these idolize these people we go to conventions to meet them and shake their hand and pay for sketches and you know, all that stuff didn't exist when so many of these guys were just you know it was a it was a daily grind for them just to churn the stuff out and it was just one notch above pornography you know and so you, you kind of have to put it into that perspective that you know I, I think for a lot of these guys it, it was almost like a soul crushing kind of thing and that's why it wasn't truly art for for so much of of comics existence until again you know the guys that were you know came in and, and just refused to compromise on you know on their artistic talents like you know like a neil adams or an alan weiss or you know, some of these other guys i don't know what do you think about that i think it's interesting when you look at uh the way certain artists who were around progressed if you look you know compare jack kirby in Fantastic Four 1, 2, 3, even 25, 30, compare that to what he did in The Coming of Galactus. And I don't think it's that right. one story. I'm just giving you a timeline, more or less. Uh, at some point in between there, all of a sudden his art became so much more mature-looking. Uh, look, at, look at Gene Colan when he first started on Iron Man as compared to about a year later and, and what, he, what he was doing. The, the initial stuff... Excuse me. The initial stuff looks like he's just doing kind of a cheap imitation of the house style. And then later you'd see the Gene Colan we came to know and love come out. And I don't know what it is that triggered these guys to all of a sudden be allowed to, to kind of spread their wings a little bit and show like what great artists they are as compared to the earliest stuff, which was not nearly as well, you know, not nearly as clean and... and and, and artistic in my mind as what they later did uh so it, you know it's 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 not just the guys who came along even the guys who were already there progressed and matured in their artwork so i i don't know exactly what the answer is but i know nobody was more prolific when it came to getting pages out than kirby uh so it wasn't a matter of okay now you could just take your time and do this because we're only going to have you do you know two books a month. He, he did some crazy number of books every month. And how he managed to do that and to give detail as he did and actually, like I say, mature his art as he went along, I, I have no clue. I, I really don't know how, how somebody like that managed to, to have that kind of output. Now, nowadays, though, well, I think... Scenario that you're, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, in the scenario that you're talking about, I, I, I'll tell you, you know, I, it, it's just a theory, but... I would suspect that a lot of what was responsible for what you're talking about, where you had guys that had been there, you know, like Kirby and Colin, like you said, that, you know, all of a sudden their, their art style seemed to not only change, but vastly improve. I, I you know, my half-baked theory on the whole thing was that you probably a, a lion's share of the credit for that has to go to Stan Lee. Because you have to remember that, you know, for the early days of, of comics and, and, you know, pre, well, really pre-Marvel, 
you know, a lot of these guys labored in obscurity, too. You know, like, DC didn't put creator credits in the book. So a lot of times you had no idea who wrote the story, who drew the story, who inked the story, none of that stuff. And Stan not only gave these people credit, but he made, like, minor rock stars out of them. You know, because every issue, you know, he, he, you know, Jazzy John Ramita and Jack King Kirby and, you know, G, you know, Gentleman Gene Cullen. I mean, so these became names that people became familiar with and they became personalities. And I, I can't help but wonder, maybe that had something to do with it is just simply the fact that he, whether consciously or subconsciously, was instilling a sense of pride in these guys that were working on this stuff so that it didn't seem so... You know, again, laboring in in obscurity and and working on something that was that was, you know, looked down upon the way comics were at, at one time. You know, he made it cool and and somewhat you know, geek chic, if you know what I mean. I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't write that off as a theory. I, I think it's certainly a possibility that you know that that they were encouraged to. Uh, to express their originality. Now I know there was there were house styles, uh, and and the Marvel house style clearly was Kirby for a while, and then it eventually morphed into Ramita, and then you know I don't I don't know if there was a specific house style after that, uh, but they you know even though they were asked to work within a house style, they were also I think given reason to you know express their own abilities as well. I don't know if Dave or Chris have any uh, thoughts on this. Uh, uh, no, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Very deep, uh, silly brain. <laughs> well, I'd rather look at early Kirby on all day long than some of these anime type of things they go into today. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm with you on that too, but I mean, there's a whole group of. There's a whole group of kids, though, that, I mean, that's their bread and butter, so I ain't going to poo-poo it, you know? But that's fine, but when you stick it in, like, a Superman comic book, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd agree with you on that. There's there's some styles that work better for certain characters than than other ones. There's certain styles, though, that I don't care who the character is, I'm never going to warm up to. And I'm not right. I can, I can get by sometimes, you know, if, if if I don't like the artwork, but the story is good, I can get by, and I, you know, but but it takes so much more effort <laughs> to, to read, read a book like that. You know, if, if the artwork is beautiful and the story is good, it just flows, and it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's just such a pleasure to read. Whereas if the story is good, and I, you know, usually those are the ones where somebody's recommended it, so I know it's worthwhile to... to Work just works through the slog, uh, but if the artwork is poor and the story is good, it just takes more effort, and it's it's it starts becoming almost work to get through it, and to uh, to get the appreciation that I should out of it. And I am, I you know some people are story first, some people are art first. I think I'm really kind of fifty fifty on it. So I, I don't you know I'm not one of these people who, you know, has to have one or the other. I just I prefer to have both. Well, I think everybody would, but uh, you know, it's it's just again that's personal preference thing. Like I'm, my, my I'm, point, I'm my point is, I'm sorry to interrupt, Chris, but uh, my my point is that there are people who, if the artwork is beautiful, they really don't care that the story isn't so good. 
you know, they'd rather have a good story, <laughs> but they could deal with it. And there's other people where if the story is good, they, they could deal with the fact that the artwork sucks. Yeah, I think I fall on that side of the spectrum. Anyway. Uh, just, you know, the, the series that came up in the conversation before, uh, you know, I think it was, uh, I don't remember who asked the question, but I, uh, the Cosmic Ghost Rider thing that I looked at, if you look at the artwork on that, it's just not something I'm never going to warm up to like that. So I don't know if anybody wants to do a search and check that out, but if you do, ah, I'll get, take a peek. Let's see what we get. Yeah, you'll, you'll get, you know, just, just it's it's never going to be something like I said. I I may slog through it if people tell me the story is great, but I'm never going to appreciate artwork in that style. Uh, Who's the artist? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Let me see if I can find it again. Well, it's certainly very colorful. Very colorful. Yeah. Burnett is his name? Dylan Burnett. Uh, Carol? <laughs> Carol, yeah. <laughs> now that's lovely Carol Merrill by door number one. Uh, I, you know, I'm, it certainly pops off the page. It still doesn't do it for me. I don't care. Yeah, fair enough. Just, it's too cartoony. It's just, it's, it's just not something I, I not something I'm, I'm ever gonna like. I said, I'm never gonna appreciate artwork like this. Now, like I said, if somebody told me, "Oh, but the story's dynamite," read it. I could force myself to read it. But I'm again, I'm still never gonna appreciate the artwork. All right. Anyway, uh, anybody got any yeah, other topics I, I, to discuss? I made a, uh, a horrifying discovery earlier this week that uh, has, if you go to the doctor, they'll remove it. <laughs> what, what, did you, what was your discovery? Sorry. So, in in doing some homework um, for for one of my shows, I'm desperately trying to uh, bring back from the great beyond. I discovered that. Did you know this? That amongst all the other weird and and crazy and unusual things that were in the Phantom Zone along with the vile Kryptonian criminals that there were cats in the Phantom Zone? <laughs> really? So I stumbled across while I was doing a search for, of all things, Phantom Zone posters because I was very curious if there had ever been a promo poster for the Phantom Zone series. Uh, I have yet to confirm whether this was actually ever a thing or not. I, I don't recall ever having seen one, but I thought maybe there was one. But anyway, that was my search, and it turned up this panel. I shared it in the chat. I don't know if you guys have oh, seen okay. it. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so it's it's a panel from Superboy number one thirty six. I forgot what the hell the name of the story was, but the story's just flat stupid. But the <laughs> villain is shown here. He's a sweater. He's a turtleneck sweater-wearing pussycat. Hey. And floating around him are three phantom images that looks like it could be Simba at, at different stages of his life. <laughs> and they are saying, we are pet cats of Kryptonian criminals. We were exiled with them in the phantom zone. You can't see us, but we can help you trap Superboy and his super dog. And the cat... The one that's wearing the turtleneck is turning and saying, Tell me your plan. 
This is so many kinds of disturbing, I can't even verbalize it. I have it's, to read this now. This sounds awesome. Oh my god, it's, it's wait, wait. horrifyingly bad. I mean, it, it could actually be my my new worst comic ever read story. I mean, it's just, it's horrible. Wait it's a so bad. Wait, wait, but wait. I'm disturbed by the fact that these cats... I mean, were they evil cats, or were they just through association with the villains they got exiled? I'm not sure which it is, but <laughs> hey, hey, run with a bad crowd. Bad thing. Here's the perfect crossover. You have this cat teamed up with the frog from Courageous Cat and Minute Mouse. <laughs> there you go. What could so, possibly go wrong? So what I'm thinking is, alright, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that we have established or, or, or will be established over the course, if I ever can get back and, and get really seriously cranking again, on, uh, I've got a few things to say about Superman. I'm, I'm very curious if I can confirm or, or deny whether or not the, crypto, the um, Phantom Zone inhabitants have any actual substance any sort of like bodily functions while they're in the phantom zone because what i'm thinking is you know i i, I instantly thought when i saw these cats i instantly thought of poor monel who ended up in the phantom zone for a thousand years so that would be bad enough but then does he have to smell like pissy cat smell in the phantom zone for a thousand years too no, it's all, because it's he's all sentenced in there with cats it's all phantom that's poop. yeah so I, I certainly hope so. <laughs> but this this gives a whole new twist to that Phantom Zone miniseries because supposedly like all the inhabitants got set free in that. There weren't any cats. But how <laughs> how awful would that have been if there had been phantom super cats flying or not they wouldn't be phantoms anywhere they'd be kryptonian super cats flying all over the earth causing all kinds of mayhem and destruction and that would actually be more horrifying i think than the actual people that got set free and ran rampant i don't know they probably just stayed take to the skies and just hunt birds all day but <laughs> <laughs> go lay in the sun all day and not really do anything yeah yeah, but think about now the Kryptonian justice system that you're going to put the cat in the Phantom Zone. It's like in Blazing Saddles when they were hanging the guy and the horse. <laughs> Is that wrong? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't wait to get to this humdinger in, in my coach. Yeah, I'm busy that week. <laughs> That's all I got. Alright, maybe on that note we'll call it a night. Thanks uh, for jumping on with us, Dave and Chris. Uh, we appreciate the last minute bailout. Oh, thank you. I've been supporting Dr. Bill's fat ass for so long now. <laughs> I just right now, right now, I picture him, you know, in one of those things like uh, I, I don't know if the ancient Egyptians or whoever it is, you know, they'd sit in the thing, and it would have like the two bars, and four people would be carrying them on the shoulders, and he'd be just sitting there with like the, you know, the glitter. See, now all I can think of is uh, all I can think of is is uh, I'm thinking of like Dathan in Ten Commandments. No, no, I'm thinking of history of the world now. Okay, yeah, that would fit too. <laughs> Wine.
<laughs> Money bear. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure Dr. Bill would appreciate that that's how we think of him. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week.